Hello and welcome to The Last Tranche, Credit Flux's podcast breaking down global structured credit one tranche at a time. This is your first time listening, welcome and don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to learn more about anything you hear, then subscribe to Credit Flux as well. We have full coverage of the CLO market. I'm Tom Davidson, editor of Credit Flux, and I'll be your host. Today, we'll be looking in particular at some of the developments in private CLOs, and we're lucky enough to be joined by two real experts on this particularly opaque corner of the industry, John Klein and Cyrus Mashiri. John is CEO and President Credit at New Mountain Capital, and Cyrus is a director of New Mountain who focuses on CLOs and capital formation. Thank you both for joining us. We'll be talking about CLOs and CLO-like private structures a little later. But let's start by getting your take on the market. You're active in both leveraged loans and private credit. What's the current sentiment in those spaces? Well, Tom, first of all, thanks for having us today. We, uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. And uh, when we look at the, the overall market across both syndicated loans and direct loans, and we're big players in both markets, we have about $10 billion under management at New Mountain Capital Credit. And what we see across both markets are more fresh buyouts than we've seen in a long time a lot more add-on M&A in today's environment versus what we saw about 12 months ago. And we also are starting to see a lot more opportunities to address the maturity wall, which is something that a lot of folks talk about. But we're starting to see opportunities to refinance existing companies that may be in the private market or the syndicated market. And we can do so with either private capital or through the syndicated market. One thing I'd say about the overall M&A and deal environment is it's, it's active because I think buyers and sellers are closer together than they were six or 12 months ago. And I, I sort of, um, I think about jumping into a cold pool. For sellers, it takes a little while for them to get used to the temperature of the water. And now they're used to the temperature of the water and they're ready to transact. And we as an industry, both in private credit and syndicated loans, are ready to support that activity. When we think about syndicated loans, the key is that syndicated loans have to fit into a box, a box that is dictated by rating agencies. And that box in my head has gotten a little bit smaller in that rating agencies require uh, lower leverage and better interest coverage ratios to address the, the higher rates in the market. And so I think if loans fit into that box, issuers can be very active in that market. And then the private credit market, I think there's a huge opportunity for private credit to do deals that don't necessarily fit in the Moody's or S&P box, where we can offer more flexibility than the syndicated market. And some examples of, of that flexibility is the private market doesn't require ratings we can provide ongoing capital commitments for M&A. Uh, we can even, in some cases, offer a pick option on interest, which is particularly valuable in this uh, interest rate environment. And I think the final thing that a lot of sponsor, our sponsor clients see in the private credit market is that we're committed to holding the loan over the long term and not selling it away if, if things don't go perfectly. And so those are the opportunities we see in the private credit market. Thanks, John. So turning to our favorite subject of CLOs. You're an active manager in the broadly syndicated CLO space. You priced your fourth CLO earlier this year. We've been seeing the ARB improve recently as liability spreads continue to come in. But what's your take on the state of play there? We've been in one of the longest periods of challenges for the CLO ARB in, 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 very, in recent memory over the past few years. And although we have seen the ARB improve, it's still quite challenged, especially in the face of higher base rates, given the hiking cycle from the Fed. So when we look at CLO equity returns today, we see kind of low double-digit returns on a model basis for broad swaths of the market. And that made sense when rates were zero, but with base rates and risk-free rates in the fives, 
we have to ask the question, should we be taking 10 times levered credit exposure for low double-digit returns? And a lot of equity buyers who look at RelVal across markets are asking themselves that question. So arbitrage and capital formation is still quite challenged in the CLO space, despite the recent improvements on the arbitrage. That being said, we are seeing a window for issuance right now. Recent volatility on the back of the recent Fed meeting is leading to potential windows for opportunistic asset purchases and issuance into the market. So we're actively considering issuance of our fifth CLO. Great. And you raise an important point that obviously the liability spreads are important, but the other side is whether you can actually find uh, the assets at a, at a sufficient price. It sounds as if you're finding stuff out there to buy in the loan market at the moment. Yes, I think there are interesting opportunities just given the enhanced deal flow that we're talking about, both on the syndicated side and the private credit side. And the good news is, in general, across both markets, leverage levels are lower, fees are a little bit higher, and spreads are very healthy. So I think it's a, it's a good time uh, in our market across both asset classes. And I think that's being recognized by high net worth investors as well as uh, a broad swath of institutional investors. Great. Well, let's turn to middle market CLOs. By contrast there, you're not so active, or at least not in the public middle market CLOs. But I know that isn't the whole story. So first of all, congratulations on pricing your latest deal, New Mountain Guardian 4 Rated Note Feeder. Now, this deal is a rated feeder fund, but it looks to me a lot like a CLO. Can you explain to our listeners what this structure is and how it works? Sure. Let me take a step back because we took a look at middle market CLO issuance for our platform and have studied the space quite deeply. We think the structures work quite well from a financing perspective for funds, but there are some key areas for improvement on them from an equity perspective. So we went about structuring our rated no feeder transaction to create value across each piece of the capital structure and create value on the equity tranche as well. Historically, rated no feeders have been sold in a vertical strip form, where buyers have purchased a pro rata piece of every tranche. Given the changing regulatory landscape, we wanted to, again, create value at every tranche for different investors and customize the profile for each investor. So that was the genesis of the transaction. We wanted to take our high-quality defensive growth credit selection and create a product that resonated with more investors that we haven't been able to offer our funds to before. Great. And and can you tell me a little bit more about the differences between how the rated note feeder fund structure works versus a standard middle market CLO? First, the fund is rated under a fund methodology rather than a structured credit methodology which allows for key flexibilities necessary for us to manage the structure efficiently. Also, it references the underlying fund equity rather than the assets directly. So there's an indirect claim on the assets. Those are the two key differences, but it looks more similar than different from a, to a CLO when you actually look at the cash flows and waterfall. That resonated with investors, and investors were able to get comfortable with the structure given that it mimicked the CLO in many respects. Are there any practical implications to the indirect exposure to the assets versus the direct exposure? Practically speaking, in terms of day-to-day management of the fund and investors' experience owning the bonds and the rated feeder, no. It's more of a concern in extreme draconian downside cases and from a regulatory lens as well. But 
We structured the fund with robust reporting that mimics a CLO with kind of full trustee style reporting to mitigate those concerns from a regulatory lens. Great. And I know one of the trends in in this space is providing a little bit of extra flexibility sometimes in the asset selection side of things. And maybe that's what you were referring to when you were talking about ways to make the structure a little bit more equity friendly. But I would love you to talk about anything you added in, which is different from a usual vanilla CLO. Sure. So versus a vanilla CLO and a vanilla rated feeder, this is a feeder fund into a levered fund. And that's quite rare in this market. And we did that to not only maintain flexibility on the asset side, as you mentioned, Tom, but also to maintain flexibility on our liability management as well. We're able to be a lot more creative on financing solutions at the senior level for this rated feeder fund at the underlying fund level versus a traditional middle market CLO, which has quite a rigid financing structure. Great. Well, you've already started to explain this one, uh, but I did want to ask in in more detail why you picked this approach, uh, which I assume is adds an extra amount of complexity and practical challenges versus doing a, a standard deal. When we think about our business and how we select credit, we are extremely diligent about picking the best companies and having a best ideas fund. So in structuring our rated no feeder, we wanted to give John and our colleagues the utmost flexibility to keep doing what they're doing. We didn't want to change anything from the credit picking side. We took on the extra structural complexity so we could have the necessary flexibility from the asset and liability management standpoints. I think the number one thing that I think about when, when you ask that question is we have a lot of flexibility or more flexibility than a typical CLO around industry selection. So in most CLOs, the structure is very rigid around having the maximal amount of diversity across industries. And our mentality in our private credit business at New Mountain is that there are certain industries that we can never be paid enough to invest in. We really want to focus on healthcare technology, software, database companies, uh, general tech-enabled business services, uh, specialty materials companies, lab supplies, areas that we think are the most vibrant parts of the economy. And I think Cyrus did a really great job structuring a CLO-like product that allowed us to, as Cyrus mentioned, continue to pursue that strategy without having to be forced into industries that we don't like as a firm. Great. And it's hard to get num- firm numbers for the private CLO market, but I do hear anecdotally that there's a lot of interest in these structures, maybe not anything quite as complicated uh, as what you managed to put together, but certainly the more standard private CLOs or, uh, or rated feeder funds. What are you hearing? Do you think we'll be seeing more deals along the lines of Guardian 4 rated feeder? Absolutely. If we believe that the private credit market is going to grow from $1.5 trillion to $3 trillion, we as kind of the securitization market need to grow along with it. We need to be able to package underlying private credit assets so they can fit more investors better. And at its crux, that's what securitization is. We create bonds that present value to investors of different types with different ratings requirements up and down the capital structure. And that needs to occur at scale for the private credit market to expand the way it has been for the past few years. So not only do I think we'll see more structures like our rated no feeder structure, but I think we'll see other innovations as well in securitization for direct lending and beyond in private credit. 
Yeah, and we were saying earlier that the mid-market side of, of our industry is particularly interesting because there are an increasing number of different ways for different managers to finance their portfolios. So we still have a few minutes left. I want to change tack slightly and talk about BDCs. You manage one of the oldest and largest public BDCs. I'm sure this is a subject close to your heart as well. But I have been hearing people talk about a wave of new private BDCs entering the market. We've seen a couple in the last few weeks, in fact. Is this another structured product whose time to shine in the spotlight has come? And if so, what do you think is driving that? Sure. First of all, you know, we have been public uh, in our, our main BDC, NMFC. We've been public for uh, over 12 years. When we first started out, we were among uh, one of a very few number of BDCs. And now the industry has really expanded where I feel like every alternative asset manager has a BDC and, and many have a public BDC. And so I welcome additional capital coming into the space because I think it really validates the BDC structure. And we think the BDC structure is, is so good for a broad grouping of investors because there's a complete flow through of the income to our investors you know, directly without any sort of withholdings. And that's particularly important for foreign investors. There's a very strict valuation policy that goes along with being a BDC as it's governed by the 40 Act. And we have a, a full board and just very stringent standards around valuation. I think that's really healthy for, for shareholders overall. And then also, you know, we are contractually limited where we can't employ more than two times leverage. And most BDCs run at between one and one and a quarter times leverage. So I think unlike the, the structured product market or the, the syndicated CLO market, the leverage levels are just appropriate for almost everyone, just given that they're much lower. And I, I think that lower leverage just appeals to a broad base and enables us to really positions us to grow well as an industry. And of course, you, you didn't say, but I remember it was only a few years ago when the BDC space was looking challenged because interest rates were too low and it was hard to generate the interest flows to really make the structure work. I guess that side of things has been, uh, that concern must have been entirely replaced now. Well, that's true. And three years ago and five years ago, we were fighting to deliver a nine to 10% dividend yield to our investors. Now, I would argue that that was a great dividend yield when interest rates were at 1%. So I think the value prop has always been good. But clearly, BDCs are getting a lot more attention today with base rates at five or five and a half percent. But uh, a lot of people refer to it as really the the golden age of private credit because the yields are so high. But it's funny when I think about it, I think the value prop is exactly the same as it's always been, where a one-time levered BDC is just trying to deliver 750 to 800 basis points over the risk-free. And if we can do that successfully, I think investors will be happy whether interest rates are high or low. Right. And obviously, this is yet another area where CLO technology has crept in. And we've seen uh, a number of BDCs raising debt using CLO technology as a way to access, presumably, that financing more cheaply than if they did it through other means. Yes, we definitely are. And I think a lot of that has to do with constraints on the bank side. So we prefer to finance ourselves at our BDCs using bilateral bank facilities with trusted partners. While the middle market CLO space does provide for optically cheaper financing, we believe that the flexibility that we have through an iterated partnership with our bilateral lending partners has allowed us to navigate tough times and deliver strong returns for our clients. Great. I guess it just proves the broad number of ways people can fund their, their middle market and private credit portfolios, because we've talked about traditional mid-market CLOs, private mid-market CLOs, BDCs, 
BDC, uh, CLOs, uh, the rated feeder fund structures. It is a really interesting time, I feel, for uh, for the market, for those of us on the structured credit side, and obviously also for the private credit side uh, in terms of deal performance as well. I completely agree. If we think that the last decade was driven by public credit securitizations, I think the next decade will be driven by private credit securitizations. Thank you both for a really interesting discussion. Thanks to John Klein and Cyrus Mashiri. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you all for listening to The Last Tranche. Please support this series by liking, sharing, or downloading, and see you next time.